Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is so good to be back. What is good, everyone? Welcome to KGW 3 on 3 Blazers. My name is Orlando, joined as always by Jared Cowley, Nate Hansen, and Max Barr on the ones and twos. We got to check in with the one and only Nate Hansen, who is back. We missed you, man. How is everything going? You got some much needed time off and you deserve it, man. So it's good to have you back and, and, and fresh. Let the people know how you're doing. Dude, I'm doing well. Like, like everyone in the NBA, I had to take a little break around all-star time, you know, get refueled, refreshed. And now I feel like I'm going to come out hot like every team's offense against the Blazers here for this podcast, man. Just going to wreak havoc for the next hour. Did you take a trip to Baysmore Island? Uh, I did not. I did go to a, a very fun place, but it was not Baysmore Island. <laughs> well, it's good to have you back as we do this thing via Zoom, socially distant as per usual. First and foremost, thank you to everyone for rocking with us, for finessing that subscribe button, for leaving us those positive reviews, letting everybody know about the podcast. We appreciate you. It helps us out oh so much in continuing to grow our audience and Keep this thing going strong. So what hasn't been strong is the Portland Trailblazers defense that Nate Hansen has mentioned and and the way that they've played. But every week seems to be just a different journey to get there. You know, they they lose to the Suns, which I think a lot of us thought they would. Um, They squeak by the Timberwolves in the first game, and then they lose to the Timberwolves. Rip City starts panicking once again. You know, you lose – two out of three to start the uh, second half of the season. Damian Lillard says, hey, everybody calm down. It's not that big of a deal. Then the Pelicans game happens. The Blazers are down 17 in the fourth quarter. And you're thinking, this is a disaster. The defense is hot garbage. And then Damian Lillard plays out of his mind again, drops 50 on, on in front of a national audience. He does it again. Somehow, some way, the Blazers escape with victory. The Pelicans have a colossal collapse in the final minutes and Portland just does everything right, both offensively and defensively getting those stops that we've wondered have been around for where has it been all season. And uh, we also got the return of of CJ McCollum after two months away with a, a broken foot. So it was good to just one, see him back out on the court and two, he obviously looks like he hasn't played five on five basketball since he suffered the injury back in January, which he, you know, is, grateful to just be out there so 
you know, and as we get a little bit closer, Yusuf Nurkic, we're starting to see the videos. He's starting to talk about it. You know, we're getting closer and closer to the return of Yusuf Nurkic and this team being as close to full strength as it's been all season. So, guys, I'd like to start there with just your thoughts on one, CJ, and two, the return of Yusuf Nurkic creeping to this team getting closer to full strength. Well, the most important thing that came out of CJ's return was that he said the next day that his foot felt fine. You know, that was the most important thing his first game back. Um, he looked great for the first couple minutes. Um, that was fun. But then he, he did. He looked like it was his first game playing in a couple months, and that's fine. You know, he will – I have zero concern about CJ McCollum. Um, and Yusuf Nurkic, I just can't wait for him to get back because I don't think you can fairly judge this team until he is back um, on both ends of the court. So it was great to see, see CJ back, and I can't wait for Nurk to get back. Yeah, and the rotation, because uh, that was something you guys talked about. I did listen to your guys' podcast last oh. week, so, so I stayed in <laughs> tune here. Uh, but the rotation, uh, it's the first glimpse we got to look at it against the Pelicans with CJ back in it. And, you know, we saw no Anthony Simons. We saw a lot of Gary Trent Jr., which Terry Stotts had said he wanted to still play Gary Trent about 30 minutes. And I think he played him 32 against the Pelicans. We saw some Nasir Little early and some Rodney Hood late. So it was kind of our first glimpse at the rotation. I think it kind of went as a lot of us thought it would. What about you guys? Yeah, I, that's I. I really don't think that Anthony Simons is going to be in the rotation. I, mean, I think he'll get some spot minutes here and there because that always happens, but I don't think he's going to be a member of the regular rotation. And when Nurk gets back, then I think it's going to become, I mean, Terry Stotts is going to have to make a decision about if he goes nine deep, who's going to play? Is it going to be Rodney Hood or is it going to be Nasir Little? I don't think he can continue to play both of them once Nurk comes back. Um, but yeah, I mean, Gary Trent Jr. should be getting, you know, 28 to 30 minutes a game. And, CJ's minutes were, you know, a little bit less than normal. So I don't know if he'll be able to keep up, you know, 32 minutes a game for Trent, but it, it was what I expected to see some from the rotation. It'll, and it will be interesting to see when Nurk gets back, which direction Stotts goes with little who has, you know, he shows a lot of a good things, but he has cooled down. You know, yeah. we talked so much about how great he was shooting the three ball. He hasn't been for a little while, but he does a lot of other things well and Rodney Hood you know he has his moments but he's been pretty bad this season so it'll be interesting to see what decision Stotts makes there that went as close to as predicted as it could have for for the two of us and I don't think that was this you know big time prediction because you know Terry Stotts tends to have a certain way that he does things and we've kind of seen it over the past few seasons and so it takes some time I don't think he's going to make these quick, you know, decisions that we're like, whoa, whoa now, now Nasir Little is starting. Like, it, it, it doesn't happen like that. It takes a little bit of time. And that trust that he has in Rodney Hood was one of the things that I noticed where, you know, he was in in crunch time and we're sitting there like, uh, should Rodney be in the game right now? But you, he's balancing, you know, the numbers, what, what co his coaching staff is telling him with a gut feeling and his trust that he has in veteran players. And so when I saw Anthony Simons lose out on all those minutes, that, I, I was not surprised by that at all. I figured he was the odd man out for sure. And like we said, Gary Trent Jr. has earned those minutes, has earned the opportunity to be in that position. But yeah, as you mentioned, 
when you add another player into the mix, you know, something's got to give. So when Yusuf Nurkic comes back, more decisions on the way for head coach Terry Stotts. Guys, you know how we roll. We have three questions. There's three of us, so we've got three answers for you. Let's dive right in. I think that Nate and Jared have put together some awesome questions here. Question number one is, the first week of the second half of the season has been similar to the first half. Bad Blazers defense and Damian Lillard heroics. Should Blazers fans believe this is the ride they're going to be on for the rest of the season? Who wants to tackle this one first? I'll jump in first on this one. So I'd like uh, to hear. Yeah, I'll jump in first. I'll t- the Damian Lillard heroics aspect, absolutely. Fans should just expect this is going to continue. Uh, he's, he's like on the start of one of those stretches where we talk about, he has about two or three of them a year and Damian Lillard's on the start of one of them here after the all-star break, uh, since the all-star break, he's averaged almost 36 points per game, eight assists per game, six rebounds a game. He's shooting 50% from the field, 42% from three. The Blazers have the best offensive rating in the NBA in the first week of the second half of the season. And clearly Damian Lillard knows this team can't falter. They can't fall in the Western conference standings and they may not be back at full strength yet, but he's going to do everything in his power to make sure this team stays at least where they are in that five to six seed range in the West and in striking distance, maybe of getting up to the four seed in the Western Conference by the end of the year. The clutch stats, we, we know how great he's been. He's like first in everything, and he still is. Just it, he, It's just incredible what he's been doing this year. It's going to continue to happen. The additions of CJ and Nurk may make it so it doesn't have to happen as often, but the competition's also going to be tougher. So I, I think we're going to see plenty more of these to come. Now, the defense is really the big question because all of us have kind of, I think, been on the same page of, don't judge this defense until Yusuf Nurkic is back because he's the key to this defense. And I may hate myself for doing this. And I feel it's very on brand. I've, I've stuck with that for two months. Oh, come and on, now do that, it. Do and it. now that he's two weeks away from coming back, all I have to do is hold out for two more weeks and say this defense is going to get better. Just hold out. But I got to tell you guys, I'm not confident that this defense with Yusuf Nurkic back and CJ McCollum back because we got to give him credit he was good defensively early in the season with those two back I don't have a lot of confidence actually at all that this team will at least get to a mediocre level defensively in the second half of the season so far I just I can't believe how poorly they started off in the second half of the season and I think I said this after the first week of the first half of the season too but I can't believe how poorly They've started defensively. They're last in defensive rating in the NBA through the first four games of the second half of the season. They rank 29th still in defensive rating on the season. And their defensive rating on the year is they give up 116.4 points per 100 possessions. To get to mediocre, to 15th in the league, they'd have to be around 111.5 points per 100 possession. That's a five-point jump. That's not like a, that's not a minuscule jump. That is a significant, significant jump for the Blazers to make. And we thought when they won that eight out of nine earlier in the year and the defense was kind of playing, I think they were 17th in the NBA when they went on that run. 
we kind of thought, oh, maybe here it's coming, here it's developing, and it's just gone. It's hit rock bottom again, gentlemen. Um, the Timberwolves are not a good offensive team. They're, they're not. And they, they couldn't stop Minnesota. They couldn't stop Anthony Edwards for two games. And so I, I'm, I'm out on the defense, guys. I've lost belief. I'm out on them. And if you look at the other teams in the Western Conference who they're contending with, the, all of them rank 15th or better in offensive or defensive rating. The Jazz, third in offensive rating, fourth in defensive rating. The Suns, eighth offensively, fifth defensively. Lakers, 15th offensively, but first defensively. Clippers, fifth offensively, 15th defensively. Nuggets, second offensively, 13th defensively. The Blazers, sixth offensively, but 29th defensively. They have to get up to that mediocre level if they're going to be where Damian Lillard wants this team to be at the end of the year. And I got to tell you guys, with the roster they currently have, even with Yusuf Nurkic coming back, I don't have the confidence that they're going to be able to get up to that level. So yes, Blazers fans should just expect this is the ride it's going to be the rest of the year. A bad defensive team and Damian Lillard having to bail them out of some games at the end. Can I just tell you how much I missed you last week, Nate? <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad. It's, I'm it's good to have a little bit of negativity here. I guess the defense has been horrible. I mean, you should be negative about the defense. It's been just a train wreck. Before I, I, I touch on the defense and respond to, to what you said, I do want to talk about Damian Lillard because, you know, as frustrating as the first three and a half quarters of that game were, the, the final, you know, half of the fourth quarter was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. And I think I've, I, I think I have come to expect moments like that from Lillard to the point where I didn't turn off the game against the Pelicans the other night. And there are times when if the Blazers are just getting beat, it's not fun to watch. You know, there's no lo logical reason for me to keep watching. I'll turn the game off. And in that game, the Blazers weren't playing any defense. The Pelicans were getting anything and everything they wanted. In those first three quarters, they scored 30-plus points in each of the first three. They were up 13 points going into the fourth quarter, and then it got worse. You know, they were down 17 with six minutes left. You guys know I work a very early shift at KGW. My alarm clock goes off at 4.30 in the morning. It sucks. <laughs> so by the time like 9 p.m. rolls around, I've already been up for like 16 and a half hours. I am tired. I'm dragging. I don't want to watch the Blazers just get beat and give terrible effort on defense. But for some reason in that game, I, maybe it's because I've just come to expect the impossible from Damian Lillard. I just kept watching. I don't think there's a better entertainment value in the NBA right now and maybe in all of sports than Damian Lillard in the clutch, than Damian Lillard in the fourth quarter. Um, in those moments, I think he becomes an NBA legend. The rest of the time, Ooh. he's like a Hall of Fame level player. But in the clutch, put him on NBA's Mount Rushmore. He's one of the best of all time. And we're really, really lucky to get to watch that level of basketball from a player that we all love because he's awesome on the court and he's awesome off the court. If you saw that tweet last night that the Blazers put out of him and his son, if you haven't, go find it and watch it. And if it doesn't warm your heart, then you're dead inside. But uh, oh. I, love, oh. I love Damian Lillard. And that was, I mean, I was standing watching the game you know, just standing five or 10 feet away from my TV. And I stood there for another five minutes after the game was over, just in disbelief at what I'd just seen. Um, what a game. Now about the defense, it's horrible. It's so, so bad. And it's so like 
frustrating to watch. Um, the Blazers have multiple players that opposing teams target regularly on defense for good reason. The team misses rotations all the time. They don't, they don't always close out with urgency. Uh, they're often out of position. It's really hard to watch. As fun as the team's offense can be to watch, as fun as Dame is to watch, the defense is just as not fun to watch. Now, will it get better? And that's the question. Like, Nate has no faith in Yusuf Nurkic at all. That's, no. that, that's not what I said. That's not what I said at all. I said, you did I say to... that with Yusuf Nurkic back, they're not going to get better. You know, they're I not have... going to improve enough to get back to league average or something I, like that. I, I, I don't know if Yusuf Nurkic is worth half of the NBA team's defense worth to elevate the Blazers over half the league, which is what they have to do to be true contenders this year. If Nurkic comes back and he's 100%, we've seen it from him. Whenever he is healthy and he's in the lineup, the Blazers' defense is completely different. I mean, this, is, this has been the MO since he came to the Blazers. When he's not in the lineup, the Blazers are one of the worst defensive teams in the league all the time. And when he's in the lineup, they're a top 15, top 10, sometimes top five defense. That's how much impact he makes. The question is whether he's going to be able to come back 100%. Um, you know, Nurkic's in injury history is starting to become a concern. So I am interested to see how effective he is when he comes back. He wasn't, you know, peak Nurkic early in the season before he got hurt. So it'll be interesting to see what he is when he gets back. But if you look at the team right now, it's, it's no surprise that they're as bad as they are defensively. Um, they basically have two good defensive players right now and have had only two for most of the season. If you look at real plus minus, their top two defenders are CJ McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic, who have both been out. I don't know if CJ is going to be able to keep up that level of defense the rest of the season. He certainly didn't look good on defense in his first game back, but that's understandable. But he is a better defensive player than Gary Trent Jr. I think that I think we can all agree, you know, that Gary Trent Jr. had a reputation as a good defender, but he hasn't been a good defender this season. But McCollum was. And Nurkic is the best defensive player on this team. And I think one of the better defenders in the league when he's 100%. So I do think getting them both back in the starting lineup, playing, you know, 36 minutes a game for McCollum, hopefully 30 minutes a game for Nurkic will make a huge difference. But right now you've got Robert Covington and Derek Jones Jr. are the only two players on the team who rank in the top 100 in defensive real plus minus. Covington ranks 50, Derek Jones Jr. ranks 100. Ennis Cantor surprisingly has a positive defensive plus minus. So that's good. And he ranks 198, which isn't great. You know, it's mediocre. It's fine for what it is. But then if you look at the rest of the team that's playing minutes right now, Gary Trent Jr. ranks 367 in the NBA. Carlo, Carmelo Anthony, 377. Harry Giles, 381. Rodney Hood, 386. Nasir Little, 458. Damian Lillard, 479. Anthony Simons, 478, the worst defensive plus minus in the entire NBA. It's like we talked about before, it's personnel. Now, I think that when Nurk gets back, the starting lineup's going to be pretty good defensively, and I think the bench is still going to struggle because you still are going to have guys out there like Carmelo Anthony playing a lot of minutes who are, who are bad defensive players. But I do think this defense is going to get better, and we can't – we really can't judge this team fairly, especially its defense, until Nurkic is back and until he's 100%. 
And if he gets back and he's 100% and the Blazers are still scuffling on defense and you're still seeing so many mistakes on defense, then, yeah, then let's talk about what's going wrong. Let's talk about coaching. Let's talk about all that other stuff. But I just I can't judge them until Nurkic is back because Nurkic has such a long track record of picking up this defense when he's on the court and, and turning them into a top 10 defense. So, you know, I don't think that I can necessarily say that this defense and what we're seeing right now is what we can expect the rest of the season, not until we get Nurkic back and we see what he can do. Jared, you, you painted the perfect picture um, watching the Timberwolves game because I was doing the same thing. As I was watching that game and they got down 17, I was like, what am I doing with my life? Why am I watching this game? Like, it's my day off. I could have been doing anything else. And I'm sitting on the couch watching the Blazers get worked. And I'm like, why? Why? And Dame hits a big three. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's about to happen. Because even my wife was sitting next to me and she's like, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, it's about to happen again. Just wait. Like, it's coming. I I now remember why I'm sitting through that garbage to get to the fun part at the end where we're all blown away. And, and sure enough, he delivers again. It's just, it, it's mind blowing. I, it took me, you know, five minutes of just staring at the screen. Like you said, Jared, to, to say what the hell just happened? Like what in the world did I just witness? Like, how did we get to this point? Cause it was just such a wild sequence of events that took place to get into that position. I mean, even, even down to the final play, where it's a beautiful pass, perfect on the button to Zion. It's like a touchdown pass. And like everything looks meant to be for Zion to make that final shot. And so it was just a, Man, a I wild. Thought, I thought that shot was going in. Oh, totally. I, I was, did too. I did like too. It was, <laughs> it was so beautiful. I was like, oh, this is how they lose after all of that effort to get back in the game. That would have been an amazing moment for Zion Williamson though. <laughs> Oh, totally. Think, think of how different the tune of this podcast would be if he makes <laughs> oh, that shot. <laughs> yeah, like it's such a fine line. And I think that tells you everything you need to know about this this team, that what the narrative would have been after that game. Instead, it's Dame with a 50-piece on national TV and everyone is, is sharing his post-game interview um, as he waxes poetic. And we're all wondering, you know, and everyone's thinking, oh, I want Dame is the perfect guy. Dame is the perfect player uh, on a national level. And I don't know what what the what it is contractually for TNT, but they need to do everything they can to have Damian Lillard on TV as much as possible. If he's he made just a trash game, just like water cooler talk the rest of the day, like. That's what Damian Lillard does into Jared's point and everything he mentioned about him. So if you're TNT, like you need to be pulling strings to figure out a way to get the Blazers on more of those late games. The, the rest of the nation needs to see him, even if it is at that time slot. So what frustrates me the most defensively guys was, and I think that Timberwolves game is the perfect example as it's like, how did it take so long to get to that point? Like, why did we have to wait to the last five minutes of the game to see those, that type of effort defensively? And I don't even always think it's effort. Like, I think some of these dudes just can't play defense, and it is what it is. I think those numbers back it up in a lot of ways. But the Carmelo Anthony block in that game, 
Like, just there, there are just certain moments where I'm like, they for, force a turnover down the stretch. I know some of it is self-inflicted by the Timberwolves, but it's just like, where is that urgency? Like, why can't we get that urgency from jump? Literally, from jump. Like, how do you give up a dunk on the first play of the game? Like, off the tip. And, like, those are the things that are happening with the Trailblazers. Like, they need more urgency on defense. They need that. And I think that's one of the things that's lacking. The, I agree with you guys in terms of personnel. Personnel is the ultimate. Like, that is what determines champions in this league. But they are not th- – this team should not be that bad. And there is so much blame to go around defensively from, from the players all the way up to the coaching staff. So – that is what is the most frustrating part about this is that they give you just enough that makes you believe that they can do stuff. So Nate, I understand the temptation right now, man. Like I want to blast Join, join the club, my oh, friend. Join the club. I, I am just holding on. And it's because I know Yusuf Nurkic is coming back. And uh, I, I'm holding off a little bit longer until I see this team complete. But, but Nate, I get it, man. I get it. Like I want to be in Twitter. I want I want to be in that dark place that that Rip City has been where they see I, a, a, a poor defensive performance. I want to go there. I want to join you, Nate. Well, I, I don't have a backbone, so that's probably how I jumped uh, <laughs> jump ship here with two weeks left on this. And I don't even I don't even think it's a dark place, to be honest, because like for me, it, it's not a dark place. It's just readjusting my expectations for what I think this team could potentially do in the playoffs. Like if I keep holding out hope or if I'm a fan who keeps holding out hope that this team could, once Yusuf Nurkic comes back from that point on, be like a 15th in the league defensive rating type team, then the Blazers ceiling is much higher. But even if Yusuf Nurkic comes back and defensively they get better, but say they're still in the 20s, so a lower third defensive NBA team, I have a hard time believing how the Blazers are going to get out of the first round of the playoffs. And so if I go into the playoffs believing the Blazers can reach this peak that they haven't shown us all year they can do consistently and go into the playoffs with just blind faith that it's going to happen, then it's going to be a really dark place when they do lose in the first round because the defense wasn't good enough. As opposed to just readjusting my expectations now and going forward with, look, my expectations are this team, I'd rather, at this point, I've seen so much, I'd rather be surprised that this defense gets to a point that I don't think it can get to, then hold out hope for it to change when they've given me no inkling that it's going to. And you guys are right. And I'll admit that Yusuf Nurkish will make a difference. Whether he can make enough of a difference that this team jumps at least half of the league to get into the top half defensively, I don't know if he can make that much of a difference. And, and if I had to pick one side or the other, I would say he doesn't make that significant of a difference. Oh, and, and you're right. If this team doesn't get out of the first round, wholesale changes are coming. Change oh, yeah. is coming to the Portland Trail Blazers, whether you like it or not. Uh, so much will be dictated on, on how this postseason goes for this team. But the other thing, too, is the, the slander that CJ gets uh, as a defensive player. I think it's great that uh, Jared brought that up about just how good CJ was defensively because CJ automatically gets grouped in with bad defenders, like is automatically just swept under the rug. And I do think he's going to make a difference. He's not Nurk, like, like the defensive player 
for the Trailblazers. I understand that. But I do think that it is an upgrade when, when CJ is 100% and not playing his first five-on-five game since mid-January. Yeah, when I watch CJ play defense, I don't see a lot of mistakes. Um, I see consistent effort. I mean, I think the biggest, the only real, like, significant weakness he has as a defender is he's just, he's an undersized shooting guard. And so he's usually giving up several inches and that is a weakness. So I don't think he's ever going to be an elite defender, like even though his numbers look like that this season, but I do think he's a better defender than Gary Trent Jr. I do think that's going to be an upgrade. And with Nurkic, it's just, I've seen it before. So until it doesn't happen. And I know that the Blazers weren't very good defensively earlier this season when they were fully healthy. But I think part of that was also, you know, Rocco and Derek Jones Jr. figuring out their place on the team, figuring out their role within the defense. I do think they have a better idea of that now. I think that there will be an acclimation period when CJ and Nurkic are back in the starting lineup. So, I mean, it's going to take a little while. But what I want to see and what I believe will happen is that what we've seen with Nurkic do with this defense is going to happen again, that when everything is gelling again, once he's hundred percent, that starting lineup is, you know, is acclimated to playing with each other that I think they will be a top 15 defense. I don't think they're ever going to get there at the, you know, the season long numbers, but I think they can get there by the end of the season, just playing at that level. And then I think you'll see what happens in the playoffs, but Nate, I agree with you. If, if they can't, you know, even if, if, if Nurkic comes back and they're still a defense that ranks in the 20s, they're probably going to lose in the first round of the playoffs. And if that happens, then yeah, then it's you talk about the coaching, you talk about what players should stay and which ones should go. And, and you know, yes, absolutely. But for now, I mean, I will give you this one thing. I was thinking, what would happen if like the Utah Jazz lost Rudy Gobert? And what would happen to their defense? I don't think it would be as bad as the Blazers' defense. So I think that they, you do have that is that, and like you said, Orlando, this defense should not be this bad, even with the players they're missing, even with the, the bad defensive players that they're playing, you know, major minutes, it shouldn't be this bad. So, you know, Orlando's right. They give you, they give you runs. They give you, you know, like a five minute run where they come up with some stops. Um, And some of it in those runs, you can tell is effort, but some of it just seems to be more sound, better communication, things of that nature. And they give you just dustings of it from time to time. And that's what makes it frustrating is if you see these five minute spurts and maybe, maybe that's all, maybe that's the best they can do. Like, who knows? Maybe we're trying to say, well, you can do it for five minutes. Why can't you do it for, you know, 24 or 48 minutes or something like that. And maybe that is the best they could do is they can put together, you know, they could string together, you know, six stops out of eight possessions. And that's the best they're going to be able to do. You know, and so maybe we're pushing them somewhere that they can't actually reach, but it is frustrating that you see it like that. And then it's just, it's just gone. And it's, Orlando's right. It's frustrating. It's maddening. And I can't even imagine how Terry Stotts actually feels <laughs> having to watch that night after night. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's unfair to, to Damian Lillard too, you know, uh, who, who is expected to do these things over and over to save the day. I mean, how many times can you go to the well? You know, and I know you guys have said that the, the, this is what he does. Like, he has these runs. Like, this happens. Like, this is common knowledge for Rip City. Like, he's going to do it. 
but how many times can you do it? And, and how many times can he cover up what has just been a, 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 an awful, awful defense? But we're about to find out. We're about to find out how, how good this team is and, and, you know, how it was constructed to be. And will it be good enough to compete with the Phoenix Suns or, or to be in that, you know, four, five, six range? Because that's ultimately where they where they want to be. And we could talk a lot about their ceiling. I mean, this this topic is so good uh, that it is one that will come up over and over and over again. So I want to segue into our second question, even though the first one is money. And we could probably have an entire podcast just on that first one. But Question number two, guys, is with the trade deadline a week away from today, should the Blazers be buyers, sellers, or stay the course? What do you expect the Blazers will do at the trade deadline and or in the buyout market? Who wants to go first? Take the lead on this one, Jared. Go for it, man. Sounds good. I definitely think the Blazers should look to improve the roster. However they can, whether it's making a trade, signing someone in the buyout market, or even both. Um, I think Neil Shea has a recent track record of making smart moves at the deadline. You think back to last season, he picked up Trevor Ariza, who was good, and he helped the Blazers until the season was postponed. But I think if he'd played in the bubble, he would have been a big boost to the Blazers. They missed him in the bubble. The year before that, he traded for Rodney Hood right before the deadline, and then he signed Ennis Cantor after Cantor was bought out by the Knicks. And I don't know if the Blazers get to the Western Conference Finals without those two. They, I'll just say now, they don't get to the Western Conference Finals, especially without Cantor. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Listen, none of those moves were earth-shattering. None of them brought back stars, but they did make the team better. So I think Olshay should do what he can at the deadline and in the buyout market to improve this team. Uh, he has an open roster spot. He does have some pieces he can move. I don't think there's a big, splashy trade out there unless we'll see and we'll talk about that a little bit more but if the blazers oh, made a come move, on now that no, is we'll, we'll get into he it. wants he wants to go he wants to dip into the shallow end of the pool first oh, and, yeah. then, and then he's gonna plunge deeper as oh he's casting the waters right now part first and then we'll get into that you know it's like jumping into the ocean you can't just like full-on <laughs> dive in you gotta let it go up to your knees go up to your waist and then you get it no max oh. is shaking his head no like you just go on it <laughs> dive in jared dive in all right, I will dive in really quick. If you think about like the minor moves they could make, I think if they made a move to like improve their guard depth, maybe they trade for someone like George Hill, just a name, not a report. Or if they short up their big man depth by signing LaMarcus Aldridge if he gets bought out by the Spurs, I think those kind of moves would improve this team and could make a difference in the playoffs. But I also think that the Blazers should think about whether Gary Trent Jr. has more value to them going forward as a $20 million reserve, or as a pretty good trade piece right now. As long as the Blazers keep Dame and CJ around, and I really don't see any reason why they won't. I think that Trent will always be somewhat blocked by that in Portland. We've seen he can still get a lot of minutes off the bench. I think he could be a star sixth man, but I don't think he can play the three. Not, not big minutes at the three. I don't think he can start there. So I think that's his ceiling in Portland. And that does have value. But if I, think, I think if there's a piece out there that fits the Blazers even better and it takes Gary Trent Jr. to make that trade happen, then I think that the Blazers need to look at it. I think they have to, to weigh that option. And I'm just going to throw out the name that has been mentioned by, by Shams, Shams Tarania. Is it Shams or Shams, Max? Shams, I believe. Shams? Shams. 
So yeah, Shams threw this out that the Blazers have called about Aaron Gordon. And Aaron Gordon has been a name that's been linked to the Blazers for a long time. So if the Blazers really are interested in someone like Gordon and the inclusion of Trent Jr. could make that trade happen, then you have to ask if something like that is worth it. There is a lot to like about Gordon and how he potentially fits in this offense and defense. The idea of him as a pick and roll partner with Dame as a role man is really intriguing to me. Okay, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I think Trent Jr. is the Blazers' most valuable trade piece right now. And I think it would be really smart to entertain what kind of trades he could facilitate right now before he becomes a free agent this offseason. So anyway, I do think the Blazers make a move. I think they'll fill that open roster spot. I think it's, you know, just looking at it realistically, I think it's more likely they just sign someone in the buyout market. But I do think they'll be active and I think they'll make a move. But I really think they should look at Gary Trent Jr. and see what see what's out there and see if, you know, he has more value to them as a trade piece than, you know, paying him $20 million a year for the next, you know, four years, five years, at, yeah. you know, this offseason. Yeah, I mean, the, the easy – it's the first question is easy to answer. The Blazers should be buyers. They mm-hmm. For the rest of the time you're in Damian Lillard's prime, you should always be a buyer if you're Neil Olshay because this is your window currently, and it's, it's not getting bigger. You know, two years ago, it might have seemed like a pretty big window. Now, you know, we're looking at this season, maybe one or two more after that at best in this window where you have an opportunity where Dame's going to be a top 10, potentially top five guy and a guy who can be the difference between your team being a Western Conference finalist versus being a team that could win the NBA finals. That's how good Damian Lillard is right now. He can take a team from that level. And that is a big jump to make in the NBA. It's the hardest jump to make as the Blazers have pretty much known their entire franchise history. It's the most difficult jump to make. So they should always be buyers. And, and yeah, we've seen two reports of two players they've been tied to. And one Jared hit on both of them. It was LaMarcus Aldridge, who of course the Blazers probably won't have much interest in unless he's in the buyout market. Um, You guys talked last week. You said he doesn't think he lifts the Blazer ceiling. I'm completely on the same page for you. Would it be nice to have him as a reserve in case Yusuf Nurkic comes back and he's not 100% or he suffers another injury? Would it be great to have LaMarcus Aldridge there as a guy who can who can play, you know, a good amount of minutes and give you decent level production? Yeah, that would be great. But does he make we all think we all think at least at the beginning of the season the Blazers ceiling was a Western Conference finalist. Not a team who could win the West but a team who could potentially get into the Western conference finals. And so does LaMarcus lift them from there? No, of course not. The other player Jared mentioned is Aaron Gordon. Can I interject really quick? Yeah, go for it. I agree that he doesn't raise their ceiling and that any of these players actually that we've talked about don't raise their ceiling. I don't think any of these players that we're going to talk about make them a championship contender, put them in the NBA finals. But if a player, do you think a player like LaMarcus Aldridge makes it, maybe more likely, more realistic that the Blazers reach their ceiling. Even if it doesn't like, you know, boost their ceiling past the Western Conference Finals, does an addition like that make it more likely that they could reach their ceiling? To me, LaMarcus, this is why I'm not a fan of LaMarcus joining the Blazers. To me, his greatest value is if Yusuf Nurkic gets hurt again. If Yusuf Nurkic is healthy, I don't think LaMarcus Aldridge adds a ton of value to this team. Ennis Cantor is better than LaMarcus Aldridge and Carmelo Anthony is still going to get minutes. So you can't have, you can't promise minutes to Carmelo Anthony and feel like you have to play him 
and then also feel the same way about LaMarcus Aldridge when Ennis Cantor is better than both of them. And so to me, LaMarcus Aldridge's best value for the Blazers is like Yusuf Nurkic injury insurance. And to me, I don't know if LaMarcus would even be interested in that, you know, in terms of this buyout market. So to me, I don't think he does, Jared, to answer your question. I don't think he really does. Um, Aaron Gordon is interesting that they've been tied to him again. I'm glad the asking price is now no longer CJ McCollum in some mock <laughs> trades. So I guess yeah. the Blazers win that round of holding out and not doing this. He, the intrigue with Aaron Gordon is back to the first question. The Blazers are so bad defensively and Aaron Gordon is a good defensive player and has been for, you know, four or five years now in the NBA. Can he elevate? Now this gets to your question, Jared. Does he elevate the Blazers to, if they were to acquire him, does he elevate them from Western Conference Finals to an NBA Finals type team? I don't know if he does, but he certainly gives the Blazers a much better shot of being a team to reach the Western Conference Finals and then just see what happens once you're there. And Jared, your overall point is right. The Blazers have to explore the Gary Trent Jr. option and what type of value he can bring back in a trade. And what, and even package him maybe with some other younger players. Like, I don't know what Nasir Little's trade value is at this point. It may not be much, but, you know, maybe he can be a nice icing on a sweetener in a deal for a team. You have to look at these young guys that they have, because we've talked about the Blazers have, for the most part, been trying to do two things at once. You know, they've been trying to win now with Dame, but also keep the long-term health of the franchise. At some point, you have to give that up. Because Gary Trent Jr. is not going to be the difference between you winning an NBA champ, between Dame getting a championship and not. Like Gary Trent Jr. is great, but Jared's right. As long as CJ McCollum is in Portland, he's not going to be able to essentially spread his wings, so to say, and be the best Gary Trent Jr., the best version of Gary Trent Jr. that I think me and Orlando think he can be. And so you have to explore that option right now because his value is going to be better now before a team has to pay him versus once he has that contract and is making $18 million a year off the bench, the perception is going to be a little bit different for Gary Trent Jr. moving forward. And so just as a franchise, a bigger philosophy shift has to be, are we, are we really going to plan on having paying Gary Trent Jr. you know, 15 to $18 million this off season to come off our bench? Are we really going to put that type of resources to put all this money into three guards who can't play with each other? for a long stretch of minutes. And the answer to that should be no. And if the answer to that is no, then someone's got to go. And there's no inkling that Damon CJ will ever be broken up anytime soon. If that's the case, Gary Trent Jr. is the odd man out. And I agree with Jared. I think this is the time. I don't know if there's a player out there that could elevate the Blazer ceiling. You know, I don't know if John Collins is potentially that guy, or if the, if you could get a deal even for a guy like John Collins, you know, with a Gary Trent Jr. and maybe a pick and another young player as the center of your package. I'm not sure, but the Blazers need to venture into that type of thinking of getting a really good player, a really good starting level player who that will play 30 minutes a game and really makes you think, man, that that lineup could really do something. That starting five could really do damage. It's go time, boys. You've mentioned we are in Damian Lillard's window. Prime window is open for business right now. The Blazers have to do something, and it has to happen soon. They, as you guys mentioned, 
are buyers. They have to be buyers. Neil Olshay has been great at going to the bargain bin and making nothing out of, or something out of nothing. He's been so good at it. And so that seems to be par for the course that something is going to happen and Neil Olshay is going to find a nice piece to complement this team. I, 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 I don't want to repeat a lot of the things you guys are saying because I think this, we are aligned on this. Like all of this makes sense. Like it is go time. They need to make moves. It needs to happen now because Damian Lillard is getting older. This, this has to happen soon. Where, where their ceiling is at versus where it could be, I don't, I don't think that they are a championship team if they go out and really get anyone, and unless it's like this blockbuster deal somehow. They, I don't think they're a championship team this year. Like, I, 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 I have a hard time finding any reason to believe that they can win a championship this year. But if we see that progress and they are down to the final four and, and they're in the conference finals, well, dang, all right, we're ready to go. Like this team has a chance. You're saying there's a chance. That's where they need to be at, the, at that point. And as much as it pains me to say it, I, I think you're right. You have to strike while the iron's hot with someone like Gary Trent Jr. It does make a lot of sense um, contractually where he's at right now. And I, I think even on his end, as someone who wants to see him grow, because he's not replacing Damon CJ, who are, you know, for all intents and purposes, they're untouchable. So something's got to give, and that gives you the best opportunity to improve in areas where you need to get better at. So, yeah, I, I agree with you guys, and I, I, I love the names. And there's always, there's always players that will come up over the next week who you had no idea was even available or was out there or, or, or teams that were willing to make moves are now willing to make moves. So keep an eye on that because everything is going to change from the time we do this podcast the next week. Like, we're going to have a, a, a lot to talk about in terms of what they did or didn't do and who's available and who isn't. So um, I, I do, I do like that there are players out there though, that makes them a better team and, and that we could see improvement out of them. And Aaron Gordon, one of those guys who I think could. Yeah. I mean, I think that if you look at either of these two players that, you know, Nate and I talked about Aaron Gordon or John Collins, if the Blazers traded for either of them and they did make the Western conference finals this season, I don't think it would raise their ceiling to championship contention this season but if it it raised their ceiling to where they did reach the western conference finals and lose to the lakers or something like that then i think you could look at them bringing the whole team back next season as you know a championship contender next season as a team that would have a chance to reach the nba finals and so i think that that's why you make this move now you have to make these moves to give these players time to to gel together to get used to playing together um so yeah i mean and, and if you look at those two teams, if you send Gary Trent Jr. Jr. to the Magic, he's a starting shooting guard there. You know, and they probably get rid of Fournier in the offseason, and I think he's a starting shooting guard. If he goes to the Hawks, I think he's starting next to Trey Young. You know, so I think that it's a good move for both teams. Yeah, and the, and the thing is, you know, you can't sit, you can sit here all day and say the timing isn't right, the player isn't right, whatever. But the Blazers need a three or four on this team. And that seems to be what all Shane reports is targeting a wing. They need a three or four. There are a couple who may be on the market now who are upgrades from what you currently have. And would they make the Blazers, you know, championship favorites? No, 
the Blazers are never going to be championship favorites. There's, I don't think there's any move over the next year or two they can make where they would reach that point, especially when you got LeBron and Anthony Davis in the same conference as you. But can you get to a point where you're amongst the teams who have a chance to take the Lakers, a team like the Lakers, to six or seven games, or you're an Anthony Davis injury away, which is what right. we're seeing this year, where suddenly you are in the mix and you are as good as anyone else. And that's the type of move the Blazers need to make. And like I said, the positional fit right now, there seem to be some guys at positions of need for the Blazers that would be upgrades for them. You got to get there. Yeah. <laughs> like you've got to be in the conversation before you can take that next step, one step at a time. But now is, is, is the opportunity to strike while the iron's hot. You've got to get something done. And to Neil Olshay's credit, he's made moves that have helped this team get better and have found pieces that maybe other, other teams didn't see, and he did. So he does deserve credit for that. And Wait. here we go. Like, th- it's yeah. got to happen now. With all that said, I think the Blazers are going to stay the course, and they'll just make a very minor move. I, that's what I think they'll actually doesn't, do. Doesn't that seem the most realistic, though, just based on even yeah. history? Yeah, and just in terms of players that are available and what those teams may want uh, in so return. Hard. Yeah, because the Blazers' first-round picks are going to be late, so they're not of value, and they've already they've already got one future first-round pick out the door. And we don't know what the, we don't know what the market, how the league sees Gary Trent Jr., Nasir Little. Zach Collins, even, you know, we don't even know what the league thinks of those guys. So it's hard to tell, but you're right. This is the time to do it. I just don't think it will happen. Yeah, I agree. Perfect way to, to close out that segment. Number three, prediction time, y'all. The Blazers play four games all at home between now and the next time we meet. They're tonight against the Pelicans, who are 17 and 23. Friday and Sunday against the Mavericks. Tuesday against the Nets. Which games do the Blazers win and which games do the Blazers lose? Well, let's try to make this one uh, quick. Last week, we all went three and one uh, in our picks. Uh, the only game we missed was the, the loss to the Timberwolves. Uh, we had to select them to win. Season record, you guys didn't have this last week, and I enjoyed it because it didn't show how bad I'm doing. <laughs> uh, Orlando's 24 and 11, Jared 23 and 12. I'm 19 and 16 on picking games so far this year. And I'm going to say they go two and two over these next four. There's no reason for what I saw for 42 minutes against the Pelicans for me to believe the Blazers are going to beat the Pelicans tonight. But I'm going to say they do anyways. <laughs> I'm going to say they actually do it. So they, w- they beat the Pelicans tonight. They lose the first matchup to the Mavericks. They win the second one. And they lose to the Nets, two and two. Yeah, this is a brutal schedule. And I actually am going to pick the Blazers to go one and three over these next four games. Um, I think it's really hard to beat a team twice in a back-to-back. So I'm going to pick the Pelicans to beat the Blazers tonight. And for the same reason, I'm going to pick the Blazers to beat the Mavericks on Sunday. But I think the Nets are too good right now. So I think Portland loses to Brooklyn. So it's going to be a tough week leading up to the trade deadline. And what that means is Blazers fans are going to really, really be wanting a big trade on Thursday. I'm assuming the, the Blazers play a little bit better against the Pelicans than, than they did and, and uh, actually win that game again. They're splitting against the Mavericks in a perfect world, and they're losing to the Nets, two and two. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, my, my logic, Jared, you say it's hard to beat a team twice. The Blazers really didn't beat the Pelicans the first <laughs> That's time. That's a good point. They kind of lucked <laughs> out into it. 
this will be the game where they actually beat them and take care of business. So that's my line of reasoning. Well, well, now, I, now I want to change my pick. I'm not going to, but that was such a good point. <laughs> oh, man. All right. It is time now for the best part of this podcast. The one and only Max Barr. Take it away, please. Guys, it is great to be back with another week of Rip It. Good to have Nate back with us. We are coming off yet another tie game. I sniped this, everyone on the wild card last week. You sure did. This is getting frustrating for me. Last week, all three of you got two out of five, correct? Jared took that, though, as positive momentum <laughs> as he continues his quest for a win this season, which I am predicting. Jared also admitted that all his friends are making fun of him now because of this, like I do. So I'm glad that has rubbed off elsewhere in Jared's world. My family's next. Pretty soon my kids are going to start making fun of me. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you can't escape it, man. No. All right, let's find out how you guys did last week. And we are starting with the Suns' loss. question was, who will grab more rebounds, Ennis Cantor or DeAndre Ayton? This was a sweep from you guys. You all said Cantor, friend of the pod, and you were all correct. Cantor had 11 rebounds, Ayton only four, and didn't even close the game. Suns win anyway. Blazers at Wolves on Saturday. The question was, who will score the most points? Carmelo Anthony, Gary Trent Jr., or Wolves rookie Anthony Edwards? Nate and Orlando went three to the Dome. Jared, you went with the rookie, who may be in the midst of a breakout, but this was Melo. I chose the wrong Anthony Edwards game. That's right. Uh, Carmelo Anthony, 26 points. Edwards, 21, Trent Jr., 14. So Nate and Orlando get that one. Oh, two questions in and Jared's already behind. I like <laughs> oh. the direction that this is heading. Oh, you hate to see it. Blazers at Wolves on Sunday. Question was, who will make the most threes? Anthony Edwards, Robert Covington, or Carl Anthony Towns? Jared, you picked Towns. Orlando and Nate went with Rocco. And nobody got this one because it was a rookie, Anthony Edwards, who made six of 14 from three. Covington, four for seven. Good game from Covington. Towns just one for four. Jared, you should have just stayed with the man. Picked him twice. You should have just done it. I know. All in on Anthony Edwards. It's so easy to second guess myself every single week on this game. (laughs) Blazers versus Pelicans. This was an over-under. 29 points for Zion Williamson. And all three of you said over. If that shot at the end went in, the over would have hit. He had 28 <laughs> points for the under. So nobody got that one. I, I, I can't believe the Blazers actually held them under 30. I know, me too. That, that's amazing. Also, it's amazing what Max just said, that if he made that shot, it would have gone over. You, I tell you, Max, you got a job somewhere else lined it's up like, in your future. Yeah, I mean, it's like Dame in the clutch. Like, you know Max is going to deliver in these moments. I'm, I'm not surprised. I appreciate that, guys. I feel like I'm just getting lucky with some of these lines. The wild card question of the week. This is one of my faves. How many Blazers will score in double figures against the Pelicans? Orlando, you said four. 
Nate and Jared went with five. Oh, please be five. <laughs> so we had Damian Lillard, 50 points. Last time I checked, that was double figures. Trent Jr. with 22. We had CJ McCollum return with 10 points. Ennis Cantor come through with 10 points. And Derek Jones Jr. with 10 oh, points. Yeah, well. that's what I'm saying. He is the fifth. By the way, Robert Covington and Mello had nine each. So yet again, another fine line of nobody getting that right. Ooh. That means Nate and Jerry get that one. And Nate wins it with three out of five Ooh. in his return. Orlando and Jared, two out of five each. Nate, congratulations. It is, it is good to be <laughs> back, gentlemen. I have to tell you, we're probably, what, 50, 55 minutes into this thing. And, and this has been, uh, this is why I came back, to tell you the truth. This, this is why I was so happy to be back for this podcast. I believe that's three Rip It wins on the season for me now. Just only one behind Orlando, who's been stuck at four for a while now. And, and Jared, we, the audience knows where you are at this point. Well, my, my buddy who made fun of me last week, he texted me this week and said that he was predicting that I was going to get my first rip it win, not oh. today, but next week. So, Oh, yep. that's a good tease. Oh, interesting. This. I like that. Interesting. I like that. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's get that ball rolling. Let's start Blazers Pelicans Thursday night. The question for this game, who will make the most three pointers? Is it Gary Trent Jr., CJ McCollum? Or Lonzo Ball. Gary's been has uh, found the stroke, it seems, over the last two games. So I'm going to ride the the hot hand. What do we want to call him? The real human torch, or something like that. <laughs> I'm riding with Gary Trent. Flamethrower, or something. If he gets oh. traded to the Magic, they're going to have both human torches on that team. Oh my gosh, that needs to happen. <laughs> that needs to happen. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, C.J. McCollum. Well, that's nice, but uh, I, I can't pick against my boy. Give me Gary Trent Jr., please. Thank you. Okay, you got him. Blazers versus Mavericks on Friday. Who will score more points, Damian Lillard or Luka Doncic? Mm. <laughs> I said the Mavericks were going to win this one, so I'm going to go with Luka. You're breaking your rule. Oh, no, that's right. No. Oh, you, you spend, you, you know, you take a week off. You forget about your rules. Can I, can I have a redo? Can we edit that out? We don't even have to We're leaving it, it in. Can I have a mulligan? We're leaving it in. Can I have a yeah, mulligan? Jared, yeah, you can change it. Yeah, yeah. Jared's Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard. All right, Orlando, are you sticking with the rule? You know what? I, I'm going to risk it all here. Let's go, Luca. Let's switch it oh, up. Oh, man. baby. Max can't. Okay. Again, I have a, I I don't have a backbone, so Max was able to shame me into picking Damian Lillard. Orlando's sticking strong. <laughs> I'm gonna Jared, go with uh, I'm gonna go with Nate's original logic and pick Luca. That was oh, really yeah. really really sound reasoning, Nate. Max Max, I hope you won me a rip it question here by shaming me. I hope this <laughs> I comes may back have. to. I may to... have. We'll find out later. All right, Blazers versus Mavericks on Sunday. Which team will have more turnovers in this game? The Mavericks. I will go with that as well. The Blazers, I don't know where the Mavericks rank, but the Blazers don't turn the ball over yeah. all that often. The Mavericks don't either. It's pretty oh. close between the two. Well, just to be different, uh, let's take Portland. All right. Moving to Blazers versus Nets. 
Who will finish with more assists in this game? James Harden or the combination um, of Damian <laughs> Lillard and CJ McCollum? You, oh, man. Oh, man. We have a rule for this. We have a rule for this. When you yep. attach someone to Damian Lillard, yep. it's okay to not pick Damian Lillard. And for that reason, I am picking James Harden. Okay. Yep. I'm taking Harden. Wow. Right. All right, Jared, you going with the combo? Yeah, I'm going with the combo. Ooh, I like Ooh, it. Right. I like it. I like it. The rule makes no sense, but its efficiency is 100% so far this rip it season. It, I, there's a, there's a very small sample size between <laughs> yeah. the combo of Damian Lillard and Nasir Little and Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. So mm. that's right. That is true. All right, guys, wild card question time. And this one is going to, we're going to stick with the Nets game. How many Nets will score in double <laughs> figures against the Blazers? <laughs> I was, man, I was hoping you were going to do something points related in that Nets game. Because I, I don't know how many points they're going to score on Portland. Uh, it's going to be a lot. Oh, man, <laughs> how many players? How many players are even, can even Give score me five. 10? Give me five. Give me five. I'm going to go six. I'm going to take six it another nets? level. Okay. Six Nets do it. Uh, I'm going to go uh, seven. Oh, yes. right. oh yes. yes. I love it. Jared, can you even name seven players on the Nets? Um, yeah, but only because I have the roster in front of me right now. Oh, there you go. <laughs> well, the Blazers, the Blazers were one point away from two different guys from getting seven last yep. week. That's right. Which, which would have meant and another come tie. On. In I think the Nets are going to put up a lot of points against this Blazers defense. I was going to say, and they're playing the Blazers. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's this, getting buckets, baby. <laughs> this is one where the Blazers are going to, James going to have to have like 60, and they're going to have to score like 150 to beat the Nets. Which, watch I mean, did Nets. he score? Go ahead. I was going to say, watch the Nets get like eight players in double figures, and we all lose this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would all be right, cool. All right, guys. We will find out how you did next week. Well, Jared, you said your bud says you're going to win next week. I can't wait till he hears you pick seven <laughs> guys at double figures and then hear, hear his confidence level if it's wavered or not. I'll let you know how he, how he chimes in whenever he gets around to listening to the podcast. When he did make that prediction, uh, it was in the middle of the stretch of games. So it wasn't like he was saying I wasn't going to get the win because he already knew I had it. So we'll okay. see what happens. Guys, it's so good to be back. Good to have the the band back together. Appreciate everyone who who rocks with the podcast. Thank you for the support. We appreciate you. We are out. We'll be back better than ever next week. See ya.